So, around this time of year, I always try to listen to some really strange and out there songs. Like, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, and The Christmas Can-Can, and Chipmunks Roasting Over an Open Fire. What are some of your favorite Christmas songs, Elizabeth? I'm a traditionalist. I like Carol of the Bells. I like choirs. I like big bombastic stuff. I guess my favorite would be Do You Hear What I Hear? That's probably my favorite one. I actually had to say uh, for the traditional stuff, Carol of the Bells is probably my favorite with uh, Silver Bells, maybe my second favorite of the traditional. Let's see. I really like You and Me, One Mr. Grinch. It's probably my favorite non-traditional, but it's probably been around for so long. It's probably very traditional at this point. But I think it's best that when we have a playlist that we both have songs on it that we like. Because then it's more like we're both contributing to the season. And it's not just one person saying what has to be Christmas. (laughs) I will admit that some of the songs that come up on that silly playlist that if I know you're here, I'll let it play through because I I, I want you to be able to enjoy the playlist just a little bit. I hope so. Usually you're very productive of your Pandora list. Anything that's not silly at all immediately gets the thumbs down. Well, I'm sorry when, you know, um, A Country Christmas by Carrie Underwood pops up. I'm not going to let it play through. That's okay. I wouldn't either. Yeah. We might have lost a fan on that one, but I hold true to my convictions. Well, what? What? how about this? What is your least favorite Christmas song? A Country Christmas by Carrie Underwood. <laughs> Uh, I'd have to go uh, Red Shoes or Red Christmas Shoes, the one about... Isn't that Shoes for Grandma? No, the one where the little boy is shopping for a pair of Red Christmas Shoes for his mother because she's about to go up to G- heaven to meet Jesus. Yeah, I thought that was called something else, not Red Shoes. It's I, I, I thought it was called Red Christmas Shoes or Christmas Shoes or something like that. I'm not 100% sure what the title is. I'm not going to look it up because I don't want to cry. Christmas is the time of hope and joy, not for bringing yourself and your friends and family down with, you know, the most depressing song ever. But then, Aaron, where would Little Matchstick Girl come into all this? Why would you bring that up? Why? Maybe it's because you're supposed to cry at Christmas. No, you're not. No, there's no rules saying you have to cry. Every single Christmas story we like is one of redemption, which necessitates a few tears and a few come to Jesus tears moments. Tears of joy, not tears of sadness. Agree to disagree. <laughs> She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. And if you can't tell, I'm a little hoarse today. I'm also a little sick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, boo. That joke won't fly. Are you going to do the plug party or what? Oh, I didn't know if it was time for me to do the plug party. It's very early. It's so early. Merry Christmas to everyone. You will probably hear this around Christmas time, but it's not actually Christmas. That's a bit of podcasting magic right there. (laughs) We're going to be on vacation. Oh, yes. Sweet, sweet vacation. You can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us at MarriedToTheIdeaReviews at gmail.com. 
And you can check out our website, marriedtotheidea.weebly.com, for all those links and to message us. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Be sure to tell your friends about us. Um, we've gotten some uh, new fans as of late, which has been nice. Um, some we people... had someone compliment and say that our name was the coolest podcast name they'd ever heard. Yeah, that was that was a huge compliment. Our show today is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. And that is T-O, not T-W-O, or the numeral two. Well, now that we got those out of the way, you ready to talk about this? I don't know. I think that we need to decide if we're going to spoil it at all. It wasn't spoiled for us. I think we have to keep it that way. <sighs> it's going to be really hard not to spoil it. I think you can talk about things without spoiling it. Yeah. I, I guess I guess then, yeah, we'll try not to spoil it. We won't spoil the ending. Yeah. I think I think we can talk about that without spoiling Yeah, I think we can... We can we can talk about it without spoiling the ending, but we gotta. Um, there's there's so many things to talk about with this that I think we can get around that. Then, so if I get close, warn me. If you get close, I'll try to warn you. Okay. Today's episode, as you saw by the picture, is on Arthur Christmas. Now, not many of you may have heard about this movie. We actually heard about this movie. I watched this years and years ago, but I didn't watch it watch it i just threw it on as background noise um but we heard about this from one of our favorite youtube channels uh, nostalgia critic and he couldn't talk higher about it he absolutely loves this movie and and we just we didn't understand it uh, not because we didn't think it was good but we just we had never watched it so we finally last night were um walking through our local uh, used bookstore we found a copy of Arthur Christmas, and he said, you know what, it's finally time. And we watched it. Good, because your choice was Larry the Cable Guy and Jingle All the Way too, which I vehemently disillusioned, disavowed, and said we would never, ever, ever watch Jingle All the Way or any of its incarnations ever, ever again. She doesn't understand that it's a yearly viewing for me, as is it's I'll Be heinous. Home for Christmas. Heinous. You can't do that at Christmas. You can't give bad morals at Christmas, and those are the worst ones. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, side note, if you did not know that, Jingle All the Way 2 does exist, and yes, it does star Larry the Cable Guy. And yeah, it sounds as terrible as it is. It, The synopsis is just mind-boggling because it sounds the exact same plot as the first one, except with one glaring difference. Instead of a quasi-non-lovable Sinbad as a postman competing with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jingle All the Way, who ultimately is a you know antagonist at the end of the movie, there is an antagonist throughout the entire movie playing the main character's daughter's stepdad. So we're already supposed to hate this guy, apparently, even though step-parents can be absolutely great people. I've known people who are blood parents 
and people who are step parents. I've known people who are in both situations who get along with each other. I don't know why Hollywood wants to completely always put these two people up as um, people who hate each other. It was strong enough to bring Mel Gibson back from the grave <laughs> for Daddy's Home too. I actually do want to watch that because John Lithgow and uh, Will Ferrell playing father and son. I didn't know I needed that in my life, but I do. And I, I didn't watch uh, Daddy's Home 1, but I want to watch Daddy's Home 2. But, um, so yeah, Jingle All the Way 2 exists. And so does this movie, Arthur Christmas. So, first impressions, I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, it was super sweet. I don't know why it's not more of a classic. I have the assumption that it's because it's by Sony Animation, which until this year... It wasn't Sony Animation. Yes, it was. It was Aardman. It wasn't Sony Animation, it was Aardman. They kept showing trailers for Hotel Transylvania. I think Sony may have distributed it, but it was Aardman production. That was remember I was like oh I didn't know they uh, they made it. It could be because it's not a major studio release. Then. I think that's why. It's not a Disney. It's not a DreamWorks. Um, it's distinctly British, which sometimes throws people off in America. I don't know why. I see. We're there's a lot of people who enjoy full British properties like Downton Abbey, um, Sherlock. Doctor Who, there's so many of those just full British properties that people enjoy that you you know you and I enjoy too. That it's just it it's it, it astounds me that people don't enjoy this stuff more. Um, our friend and friend of the podcast, Allie of the Apothecary Bee. Thank you. Her favorite movie of all time is Hot Fuzz, and um, I'll be bringing that name up quite a few more times during this. Uh, this specific podcast and like that is a distinctly British movie. I've lived in America all my life. I've never been to Britain and I fully enjoy that movie. So I don't understand why people can't enjoy the the movies of other cultures sometimes. (laughs) Well, when we say British, it's not like tea and crumpets everywhere. It's just that they have accents. I will say it was tough to catch all the jokes for a number of reasons, but one of them was that they had accents. It's kind of like when I watched Sherlock for the first time, I had to put on subtitles for the first episode because 40 minutes in and I was lost and had not picked up, my ear had not attuned. Uh, But this one, it was really fast in a bazillion ways. So if you don't pay attention, it's hard to catch every joke, every line, a lot of visual information on screen overload sometimes so it's something you have to pay attention to probably why you didn't like it Aaron the first time because it's on in the background it just seems like such noise you have to watch it it'd be like watching an action movie without really watching it and who knows what's going on I mean all the noise 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 something like that well and I think you're right uh because this movie just flies at you at a million miles an hour sometimes. And when you watch the previews, uh, it doesn't, you don't always get that impression because they are not afraid to take the quiet moments. They're not afraid to take the slow moments, the, the easygoing stuff, uh, the conversations. Because there are plenty of those scenes where people are having conversations one-on-one, talking to each other. And, and you're able to sink your teeth into those 
because you're waiting for like the you know the million other sight gags or the the visual puns or the you know the earworms or something like that to <laughs> come flying at you but you're they're not so you're really appreciative of the the scene between you know um um Merry or not Merry Christmas, but uh, Mother Christmas and Santa, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's real interesting how they 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 do the ebbs and flows of the the pace. Yeah, and I think the family's portrayed really well. The plot of Arthur Christmas is that there have been lots of Santas. It's been a whole family of Santas going back to the original Saint Nicholas, and he has two sons one of whom is very technology-friendly, forward-thinker. He's developed a bunch of stuff to make uh, delivering presents easier. And uh, another son, Arthur, who is slower and clumsier um, but cares so deeply. He's the one who answers all of the children's letters to Santa in the mailroom. And he has this real gaiety about him. And then you have Santa who has been doing this for far too long and needs to retire and does not want to give that up. And it's how, and then even his grandfather, who still thinks the old ways are better. So there's these four different dynamics all playing off of each other. And this poor woman trying to keep her family together at Christmas because there's still a family who celebrates Christmas, albeit at four in the morning after the deliveries are done. But the scenes of them trying to play a board game or eat dinner are so so quintessentially strained family Christmas that it was funny and sad to see it at the same time. Um, I did like that there wasn't an antagonist in this movie. There wasn't a bad guy. There was just people with motivations and selfish actions. Um, You know, there was a little bit of over-selfishness in a couple people, but um, I won't say who, um, but there, there was a couple of times I'm like, that's too much. And I think that's maybe where it may have thrown people off just a little bit. But if you can get through that, just just those things, honestly, it, it's so worth it. There's so much to this movie without being there. They find motivation in areas that you wouldn't think there would be. Because you don't think about it. What happens to all the letters that Santa gets they literally have a mailroom, and they assign this guy who's real clumsy and everything like that. He just wants to make you know his dad happy. He wants to make the whole world happy. But there's also you know the technology boom. It's so funny because I didn't think about it, but like one of the first lines of the movie, she says, "I can't find you when I look on on the North Pole on Google Earth," and it's just like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about it that way. That's that's a good thought. And when it goes through all of that kind of thought processes, it just it makes you think. And plus the whole concept of the Santa Menthos in itself that it's not one Santa, it's a whole bloodline of Santas. And it's not like oh, I could never be Santa. I'm uh, I just don't understand why people want to be Santa. I don't understand what Christmas is. It's and because that that trope has been so overused and i mean there's been so many movies where a guy has has been asked to be santa and doesn't want to be santa because he's like 
I don't want to be Santa. I don't want to do that. I'm not that guy. There, there are 16 million movies that way. When there's finally a movie where everybody wants to be Santa, it's done well. And again, I'm calling it. I'm calling it the hot fuzz of Christmas movies because there's so much going on that, like, we we watched it last night, and I guarantee you, we'll watch it again next year, and we'll get twice as many jokes because there are so many things going on. You're like, okay, I saw that last year, but I'm gonna take attention this this year, you know? Yeah, a lot of the humor derives from how fast animation is for the elves who are like. A SWAT team in this one. They're their mission control at NASA and their SWAT team, uh, and they do all the things in all the houses that Santa can only do in one or two at a time. They suck out a little milk and take some cookie and some carrot, and they convert all that to biofuel for the giant spaceship that pilots them around the Earth to get them everywhere faster. And the speed of how they avoid parents who are awake or dogs who wake up, or even things like turning off car alarms, or setting off car alarms to distract waking kids. Uh, I think the funniest part was this extraction scene where they had to remove the wrapping paper and the batteries on a toy, otherwise it would go off. They were treating it like a bomb, like a weight-sensitive bomb, that if he lifts his head, the whole thing, the whole operation is blown. And then we have our uh, elf who joins Arthur in his quest to get the bike that got uh, about this girl who did not get her bike, did not get her present, and she's obsessed with gift wrapping, and she is able to like wrap a bike while people are riding it. It's insane. It's it, this ragtag ragtag team that have to go and try to deliver this, this bike, you know, before sunrise, and it's it, it's such a good story, and the the people involved. It's not like the strapping young lad, and then. The, the elf who wanted to be a dentist and, you know, the old guy who never gets lost or anything like that, you know. It's an old curmudgeon guy who's, you know, doing this for the wrong reasons. The gift-wrapping elf who probably, or who wasn't ready to go out into the field because she was more obsessed with gift-wrapping than she was the actual mission. And then Arthur, who hates flying, so it's one of those things, it's like, the, the, this is like the worst team to do it, but can they do it, you know? And the gen, gen, genuity, ingenuity, the... Uh, the Genuine. Genuineness of everyone's character really shines through. Um, and I, I give that partially to the animation, because the animation isn't, like, amazing in a, in of itself, Um because, like, Hotel Transylvania, because you have a master like uh, Jetty Tartavarsky. He... I think he was the one who nailed the fluidity of turning 3D into 2D quickness. Can't yeah. go as quick in 3D as you can in 2D because there's not a physical body to move through space. They can warp and adapt. And I think you are right. This was, like, one step below that. Exactly. They tried. They didn't succeed to that extent, but they succeeded to it. To an extent, they didn't succeed to Hotel Transylvania fluidity and it's and a stylistic. And it's a stylistic choice. The way that the characters move in Hotel Transylvania is so unlike reality. Whereas Arthur Christmas tries to be grounded more in how things would really move. 
And like, and this is one of those things. Like every time there's an animated movie that comes out, you have to ask yourself, why is this animated? And most of the time, it's because this is told better, or you can't do this with human actors. I would say this is definitely one of those movies that's better told animated. Like Hotel Transylvania, you would not get that same quality in a, in a live action. This is definitely one of those ones because just the the visuals and everything like that, especially with the elves, you would not get that quickness because they do move really quick at times. And it's and what happens is because it's the elves, it makes the humans when they even when they're moving or running or something like that, it makes them look like they're moving through mud. But I also attribute that to the voice acting. This was not an I, I like. This is an A minus list cast for, especially for British actors. The people who they got are almost about perfect for these roles. James McAvoy always brings a real warmth that I forget every time I watch my. You know, you see him in person, and I always think of oh, Professor X, who isn't nearly as warm as his other roles that he plays. He has such emotion in his voice, and you forget the range that he has, even in Split. He has he couldn't carry that film unless he had an ability to transform his voice into what the character needs. And I totally didn't get that it was him until maybe three quarters of the way through the movie. Actually, I got it right at the beginning and then I lost it. <laughs> it was Which is good. He's like he had that, that the the deeper timbre of his voice and then it went into him actually talking as Arthur and then I lost it. So because whenever he's talking in um, Nomeo and Juliet, it's James McAvoy just talking. This is actually him being Arthur Christmas. Um, and then Hugh Laurie as um, uh, Steve Christmas. Hugh Laurie is just a fun actor anyways. Besides him playing House, he's done a lot of other kind of fun roles like this. And he can he has some really good comedic timing. But there was with him, it was more so his visual stuff than his his acting or rather his voice acting, but there were there were a couple times when it was his voice acting that really delivered it. And when it when it was his voice acting, they were hilarious. It really packed that punch. And then Jim, um, Jim Broadbent being, uh, you know, Santa the 20th or the the current Santa, I didn't feel, they, they used him, but I feel like they underutilized him, you know? Because Jim Broadbent has a range that, you did not see here. I think he was just so quietly spoken. It was hard to hear him over all of the visual and audio noise. He was the the tired the tired British grandpa. Yeah. Like, like not we're, we're not tired enough Ger- to be eccentric. Yeah. Like we're entering into Germany. Oh, so many countries these days. It's like, like uh, that's funny, but it's. Well, I think that was the point of his character. He's lovable. All the elves treat him as the de facto Santa. Doesn't matter if he's inept, he's Santa. Yeah. And his word is the last word. That's true. I mean, he is the boss, but at one point he becomes just the figurehead and Steve is the one who's running the show. So The movie is very good about showing that each one has its pros and cons. It's not like... We should ignore the technology of tomorrow and, and just do it the way it's always been. We shouldn't uh, only use technology and forget traditionalism and sentimentality. It's a good job of showing that there are pros to all of these. I think that's how this leads into not having an antagonist. 
because there is a good part to every one of these three generations of men all trying to do Santa the way they think best. And in the end, it's it's trying to fill the embodiment of Santa that gets the job done as opposed to a specific person. It's, as Batman would say, more about the idea. We won't say how, and that's, that's a big thing, too. Nah, I can't tell you the moral, and that's a shame, because it's a good moral. I think it's a good message to have for Christmas. And it's about getting this girl her bike, but it's more about understanding true value of Christmas and of your family. I liked how this ended. I won't go as far to say you can see it coming a mile away, but it's... I didn't. It's how it ends is makes sense. And with the the current climate, it just it makes sense with not losing the old but keeping up with the new. I really I, I I enjoyed this movie. Like I was afraid that because with the nostalgia critic, you know he how how much it got hyped up. He said that this is like the new you know Christmas masterpiece or like the latest Christmas uh, special that he enjoys or whatever. I was afraid it got hyped up too much. That I wouldn't enjoy it as much as he did. I think I probably did. Maybe not as much as he did. Because I, there was a little bit of a, a hype to it. But I did thoroughly enjoy it. I think this movie does a better job than uh, The Grinch does. Not in overall visuals, but in the way that Chris Melodandry and Illumination make their gadgets and gizmos the centerpieces. This one does it, I think, a bit more effectively the who's and what's aren't the focus but it doesn't shy away from showing you in a glance or in a pan across all the different buttons that are on evie which i thought was a cute name for the original sled and um the magic dust from mine from the aurora borealis which is a chemical and magic all at the same time it does a better job of showing the gears without the gears being the focus it, it never loses the heart of the story it never loses the core and I think that's more important than showing off your technical prowess. So my, my question to you or my question to us is, is this a new Christmas masterpiece? Or- it definitely deserves a lot more love than it gets. I didn't know this movie existed until someone else told me about it. I think it could be something like a Christmas story in that it's a, a small film in the way that animated films are often perceived by the general public as small because they're for kids. Eh. But I think there is value in the word of mouth and that if you end up watching it, you probably like it and you'll probably share it with someone else who you think will like it too. It's a lot more about family than about the season. And I know that sounds like I'm trashing on it, but it's not. It really is a character study of three generation of men all trying to do the same job. And I think that that's a more lasting and telling story than just, and this is what Christmas is all about. It does so much to keep the innocence of the season while still maintaining the mystery, while still maintaining all the behind-the-scenes stuff, which is, I think, the cool part, just seeing how everything works and the toys get sorted. The first 20 minutes is all visual storytelling, just how this giant spaceship sorts and delivers and all of the elves make all this happen. I think that if more people see it and talk about it, more people will 
start watching it around the holidays. And I definitely think it deserves more than it got when it was released. I I like the comparison to A Christmas Story because I remember distinctly like trying to tell people about A Christmas Story because it's still one of my favorite Christmas movies. Even with all the commercialism, even with all the the crap that they've the, that they've piled on with it, the unnecessary sequels, the stupid live action uh, live adaptations where they did it live on Broadway, the musical adaptations. A Christmas Story is not a musical. It's not. It's still if you sh- strip away all of that crap, like you strip away all of Ralphie's little brother. Uh, layers you just get the little brother inside it's still a great movie it's still a great movie about Christmas it's still a great movie about family it's still a great movie about childhood and the fact of the matter is is that they made this fantastic movie and not many people knew about it and I remember being excited for the day that rolled around they're like oh my god they're playing a Christmas story for 24 hours straight. That's amazing. Oh, they're doing it again next year. And the year after that. And the year after that. And then the year after that. Now they're doing it for 48 hours. Oh, no. I don't want this to become the next Christmas story. But I do want more people to know about it. Because this is a great movie. Especially for kids who either want to know more about Santa or who maybe are just old enough to know the truth about Santa. And if there are any kids who don't know the truth about Santa, he's real. The truth is he's real. This, I think this movie is a great one to share with your family because it is, it is core about family. And it's also about, I feel like John Toretto every time we say that it's about family. (laughs) It's about family. It's about family. It's also about giving, which is the whole reason for the season. This whole thing, and I'm, I'm trying my hardest not to spoil right now. I know. The ending message that really gets boiled down. The ending message treats Santa and family together in a really beautiful way. And it's really about, in the end, making someone happy. Exactly. When you have that, it's really, it's beautiful. I won't say that I was so moved that I don't, I tear up like I do at the end of a Muppet Christmas Carol. We're almost at the end. We haven't done our sponsor vlog yet. That's all right. We'll save it for the end. Okay. They've been, I know they've been patiently waiting. They yeah. only, they're only here for the plugs. Yeah, they're only here for that. They're not here to hear the sweet, dulcet tones of my voice, mm. of my gravelly voice. Um, we waited a whole day to do this. Your voice is not better. Uh, no, it is not. Uh, or hoping it would be better in the morning, too. Uh, but I did, I was moved. And um, I definitely enjoyed it the second time, but I definitely paid more attention the second time. So this movie, it, I, I would say yes to my own question. I would say this is a new Christmas classic because of the message that it gets across. And it gets it across very well. There are some movies that that they try to get across these messages, like like with The Grinch, you know, the newer new one, you know, be accepting of everyone and 
don't be a cringe. They tried, they failed, but they tried. It was a valiant effort, but they failed. This one, they try and they don't fail much at all. I, I, I would say yes to my question. Would you say yes or no that it's a Christmas, a new Christmas classic? I think so. Okay. You don't have to agree with me. We can disagree. <laughs> it's okay. What? Disagree on our podcast? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> She's just trying to be agreeable with me because I was so frustrated earlier. Well, Aaron, why don't you tell them about the dulcet tones they could be listening to if they try out our sponsor? So we close out today's show with uh, our sponsor, and that is Audible. Audible is listening or is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free today and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today. Our suggestion for you today is not Arthur Christmas because there's not a book that this is based on. I looked. However, we would definitely suggest a more traditional Christmas classic. Which was going to be the topic of today's podcast, which you really wanted to do until you realized that Oh, we have not watched as many versions of this as we had hoped. Which is bad because this is actually my favorite, or not my favorite, my father's favorite of all time. And it's been redone to death. We really should have seen more. Almost every show has done a parody of this at some point in time. But today we are suggesting A Christmas Carol. Now, you can find so many different versions of this, including a dramatization with uh, narrations by Maurice LaMarche, Rob Paulson, Neil Flynn, and Robbie Rist, uh, Maurice LaMarche, as you would know, and Rob Paulson, as you would know, as Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> that alone is pretty cool. You would also find a dramatization by Orson Welles and Lionel Barrymore. That's pretty cool. And there's also a narration by Tom Baker of Doctor Who fame, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jim Dale, um, the same guy who narrated the harry potter books and was the narrator of pushing daisies a completely underrated show maybe a topic for a future episode and and then a narration by patrick stewart but the one that we are recommending specifically today because there are so many versions on here we haven't even we haven't even clicked on the second page (laughs) we have not clicked on page two this is all on page one the one that we are specifically recommending because we are long, long time fans of his. A Christmas Carol, a signature performance by Tim Curry. At only three hours and 31 minutes, released only eight years ago, it is so worth your time. Oh, Tiny Tim, that's a great cheese pizza you have there. Stand back, it is my only number. I am very excited. You know, we don't do like readings at our house, but this if it if we had Tim Curry standing in the corner, we might for Christmas. You'll float too, Scrooge. They all float. <laughs> so that's that's our recommendation today. So thank you to Audible for sponsoring us. And thank you to the listeners who made twenty eighteen a lot of fun for us to do. 
and we appreciate that even though we gave ourselves some slack and only do them every other week you guys still like listening even though we're a bunch of losers who can't do (laughs) one a week well we've uh with a lot of things that have been going on in our lives including a uh, a new nephew a new house um a new car car. because of lack of car yeah that's uh, been a lot of fun uh, we we decided that this has been easier for us, and we you know we went back to one a week on uh, Halloween, and it was stressful, but it was fun, and I don't mind doing that every so often, but definitely not all the time. And um, our Shira episode went from like like obviously a new episode to one of our top listened to episodes, uh, like like third or fourth place the last time I checked on it. Well, I'm really excited to start watching She-Ra again. Unbeknownst to the viewers, we haven't been able to keep watching the first season because we ran out of internet because we were sold a false bill of goods. But hopefully we get to watch even more content in 2019. And if your 2018 kind of sucked like it did for a lot of people, good news. A fresh start is right around the corner. And before that, you have Christmas, which is the most awesome time of year. From us here at Married to the Idea, we wish you guys... All of us, the producers, the techs. <laughs> the editors, the... Interns, uh, the marketing team, <laughs> the guy who brings us coffee and donuts in the morning. The mail guy. From all of us here, we wish you a very Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Merry Kwanzaa, Happy Festivus. Any, anything that you may celebrate, we wish you the very best one that you could possibly have. Yeah, if you celebrate Joker Book Float or Candle Nights. Yes, or... I completely forgot about Candle Nights. We just <laughs> got our first Candle Nights present last night. So so we very much wish you guys the best. And obviously, uh, because this is the last episode of the year, that also means it's the last episode of the season. Woo. So we will start season three. Bigger. Better. Uncut. It's already, well... <laughs> no, I've been cutting a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's already... Un- yeah, you don't want to hear the uncut versions. It's about There's a lot of more, me coughing to the mic. About 10 more minutes of ums, ahs, banging on the table, and coughing. <laughs> so, thank you guys so much. If you guys have any ideas for 2019, we love to hear them. We're always taking input. In fact, we actually have some ideas from uh, some friends and viewers... Uh, including some 80s classics that Ooh. we have to watch, apparently. Ooh. We may do a, a twofer episode for that. Again, be sure to tell your friends. Uh, we, we're trying to get some exposure. Um, do you, know, you want to be the person who leaves us our first iTunes review? It could be you. <laughs> Maybe we should give them something special. Like you, like you can Our have, gratitude. <laughs> like, I'll design you like a, a special badge. Like, you are our first iTunes reviewer. I'll draw you a pretty picture. Liz will draw you a pretty picture. I'll draw you a pretty picture if you're a, a pity picture and a pretty picture if you're our first iTunes reviewer. And, and if you're our 10th one, I'll design you a badge. Or Only something. positive reviews, please. We don't do with that negative stuff. No, no, no. No, uh, Chris. no criticism, please. Yeah. We're not here to accept criticism, only to deal it. <laughs> like, yeah, what do you think we are? People who can take criticism? We can only dole it out. <laughs> it is to laugh. And it also is to end the episode. We'll see you guys on the other side. Take it easy. Don't drink and drive. Call Uber. Call Lyft. Call call your mama. Call your mama. Tell her you love her. And as always, 
Oh my god, I was going into my trivia thing. Oh my god, were you about to quiz on us? I was about to quiz on. I was okay, try again. <clears throat> Until 2019, in season three, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.